Namibia's premier business show. This is The Business Report on Nova 1035. Hi, I'm David. Welcome to tonight's business report. Things are looking up. We're finally reaching the end of the 12 weeks of January. The schools are back in full swing. Businesses are dusting off the December cobwebs. And while the dams are still empty and Vintikers seem to refuse to face our water scarcity reality, at least there have been some somewhat rainy days in the capital this past week. Coming up in tonight's show, Gary talks to Trusco Deputy CEO Quentin Van Royen Jr. about the company's drive to raise 2.4 billion Namibia dollars from shareholders Michelle speaks to Robert McGregor about growth trends and what the low central dam levels could mean for the economy. And we find out about the brand ambassadors program that NIPDB Tourism and Investment Consultant and Altava Enlist brand ambassador chairperson and international business developer Michelle McLean is spearheading. But first, it's time for your biz news update. Here's a look at some of today's trending business stories. Biz news on the Business Report. The Biz News is brought to you by Ashburton Investments. Fully invested to help your assets grow. Working, Working together, together for, for shared, shared prosperity. prosperity. Biz News. With your Biz News, I'm Tonata Kavila. Engine is taking the Transport Ministry to court because they say the ministry owes them at least 23 million Namibia dollars for fuel and other things they provided to the now closed Air Namibia. Then a dispute between Cash Crusaders franchising and its franchisees has resulted in 78 of its 150 non-corporate owned franchises representing about a third of its franchise footprint cancelling their agreements and starting trading independently under the cash exchange brand. Nigeria's Dangote oil refinery plans to import crude from the U.S. soon, showing the competitiveness of American barrels in the global market. At the same time, Saudi Aramco has been asked by its government to keep its oil production capacity at 12 million barrels a day instead of increasing it to 13 million, prompting questions about the kingdom's position on future oil demand. And Toyota Motors sold a record 11.2 million vehicles in 2023, it said on Tuesday, taking the crown as the world's top-selling automaker for a fourth straight year. Now taking a look at your latest financial indicators. The Namibia dollar is trading at 1889 to the US dollar, 2049 to the euro and 2396 to the British pound. Gold is trading at 2034 US dollars, 17 cents a fine ounce while Brent crude oil costs $82.40 a barrel. I'm Tonata Kavila. Stay tuned for more updates. Biz News was brought to you by Ashburton Investments. Speak to your financial advisor or visit us at ashburtoninvestments.com. About investing with Ashburton. A snapshot of some of today's biggest business stories. Biz News on the Business Report. Today's biggest business story. The Future Media News Team speaks to the people at the heart of it. Political intrigue, results, currency and crypto, mining and green hydrogen, and so much more. Tune in on Nova 1035 from Monday to Thursday with repeats the following morning to stay up to date with the biggest stories in Namibia. The lead story is proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact. 
Time to dig into our lead story this evening and uh, we're quite enjoying this uh, whole new approach from Trusco to come and chat to us on a regular basis. Quinn van Rooyen, welcome to the studio. Gary, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, and thanks for being available to chat about it. Right, you guys put out um, uh, the headline for the uh, press release that went out was Trusco to raise $2.4 billion Namibia dollars from uh, shareholders to tap into Namibia's economic potential. So in a, in a good journalistic style, the headline encapsulates the story. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, Gary, it's been a piece of work that's been in the making probably the better part of 12 months. You know, we only could bring it to the market now once we've, you know, done all the compliance work and the stuff in the background. Um, we've alluded alluded to a portion of this um, late last year. Um, so the 2.4 billion is is made up of a one and a half billion roughly shield alone that's been converted into equity, and then a roughly billion million dollars of cash to existing shield that will be issuing fresh equity. Okay, so let's dig into it. There's two parts to this. Um, the first, which uh, on the face of it is a is a, a fund called the Risk of Its Value Fund, um, run by Protea Fund Managers um, out of London, um, and are entering into an option to make a cash investment of up to 950 million into Trusco. So just unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, sure. Um, so Risk of Its Value Fund, long time shareholder in Trusco Group, better part of of 10 years. We've done uh, numerous capital raises via that fund, um, some in the listed space. We've done some convertible debt instruments with them before. We've done uh, a huge um, private investment via them in Legal Shield Holdings, which is the entities locally that hold insurance companies and the property portfolios. So a long-time partner of Trusco, a very successful capital raising history we've had together. And, uh, you know, they raised the bulk of their funding out of, out of the U.S. Out of the US markets and, and specifically endowments from, from the Ivy League uh, universities. So um, long-term partner, board seats, everything up for grabs. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's fresh liquidity for the company in the country. All right. Now, I just read into that sentence, we'll enter into an option to make a cash investment. That seems to suggest that that isn't cash is on the table, shares are being traded. What... Uh, Unpack the option for us a little bit. Yeah, so the process is typical, the process you go through. Um, we had to go the option route because uh, we need to incorporate a couple of changes in our MRI. We need to enlarge the um, issued share capital and authorized share capital of the company because it's a substantial number of shares that we're issuing that in conjunction with the convertible that we're doing. So uh, quite, a, quite a lengthy compliance process that we have to go through. Um, and that's why we opted for the option route. You know, we, we put a pin in the ground on, on the commercials of it, the pricing, the timing, they often when, when, what should happen. But this gives us the room to com- run through the JC processes, circular, shield, votes, GMs, everything that needs to happen. That will probably all transpire in the next three to six months. And then the option period opens up for Riskovich to, to invest. Okay. And what are the metrics? I mean, what are the variables that uh, options are typically taken by people who want to have a little bit of wiggle room in the negotiations? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so. so why aren't they convinced if they've been long-time shareholders? So, like, like I said, specifically, they want to have a look at how it pans out to the other transactions. It's not this, this, this transaction in, in isolation. Um, metrics of the specific options we'll make um, public in, in the next couple of weeks. But it's a typical option that that looks at the net asset value per share. It has a little bit of a discount to that. Um, factor in a time period that they have in which they can exercise a certain amount of options. If that window is missed, the price goes up, etc., etc. So sort of a disincentive not to drag fee too long. Right. Okay. So let's um, turn to the second part of this deal. And uh, this is perhaps the one that um, 
could be looked at from a number of different aspects. Uh, it, it's a little bit disingenuous to regard Dr. Quinton van Rooyen as a external independent shareholder uh, making all sorts of wise decisions. He's uh, intricately linked to the company as the founder. Um, so, so unpack how you guys have positioned this particular transaction. So this loan conversion or this liability that Trusco Group sits, I must, I must take a few steps back and explain where it comes from. Um, so the founder, Dr. Gunnar van Rijn, uh, borrowed $1.5 billion to Trusco um, during the period, speaking a little bit under correction, I think 2012 to 2019, and that funding was used to invest in the mining assets that the group have. Uh, if you remember, if, it, if you remember 12 months ago, we had a, a, a spat with the JSE where how those loans and the write-off of those loans had to be treated. Ultimately, the, we went to court, the JSE ruled, and we had to reinstate those loans back on the balance sheet and give back the shares that we issued for that conversion. So that's where that $1.5 billion liability comes from. Ultimately, it was used to acquire the, the resources, assets of the group. But we find ourselves now, the company, in a position that we've got a liability that we have to deal with. So we went back to the shareholder, to the founder, and started a negotiating process of how do we want to deal with this this liability? And because it does have terms in um and we ultimately settled on on a convertible instrument that we will convert that that liability into fresh equity. Um, as an outsider looking at the company, um, I mean, a question that, that would naturally rise from this is how how straightforward or difficult is it to do arm's length transactions when no, it's extremely difficult when you're effectively sitting with a family owned business for the most part of it, who also happens to be the major debtor who's also the driving force. No, it's, it's not, not easy to say the least. Um, the, the JSE have got a very specific process that has to be fo- followed in this case for related party transactions. Circulars posted, um, you know, shareholders must vote and this specific shareholder is excluded from that vote so only the minorities can vote on it. Um, you need fairness opinions from different experts so they do take a very um, stringent look at whether this Related party transaction is fair for the company, fair for the remaining shareholders, and then ultimately it gets put to a vote whereby, you know, the related party cannot vote. So it is a complicated process. We've done it before. How did that vote go? Uh, We must still post the circulars. So that will happen in the next two to three weeks. Uh, Sorry, two to three months. But we've done related party transactions before and we got the votes that was required. Okay. Another way to perhaps view, um, an alternative way to view these sets of transactions would be Trusco's got some serious cash flow issues to deal with and a balance sheet that doesn't allow the raising of, of external debt and is going back to shareholders to say, let's restructure things and put some things in place that provide uh, at least an edifice of credibility to external debtors. Um, and uh, the 1.5 billion loan, while technically at an accounting level, could also be seen as a write-off by shareholders to you know improve the debt position because that's a huge amount of drag on the balance sheet. And so this could also be interpreted as being quite a desperate act from Trusco at this stage. Well, I can tell you the shareholder that gave that $1.5 billion loan wrote that off. To listen to the full interview, go to the podcast page on futuremedia.com.na. The lead story was proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes. Insight. Advice. Impact. That 
was today's lead story. A closer look at one of the biggest issues making the news today. Make sure you don't miss any of our features by looking out for our podcasts on nova.com.na. With our ancient desert and endless coastline and vistas, Namibians understand the value of time. At Ashburton Investments, our local team combines international capabilities and proven strategies with local commitment and insights to deliver quality returns over time. Visit ashburtoninvestments.com or speak to your financial advisor about investing with Ashburton. Ashburton Investments is a member of the First Rand Namibia Group and registered with Namfisa. Get ready for a day of excitement, camaraderie and giving back. Join Future Media and Sangla on Friday the 8th of March for the Hit for Hope Charity Golf Day. Secure your spot and participate to win a share of $30,000 in prizes. The course will be filled with fun activations, delicious food and refreshing drinks, ending off with live performances at the prize giving. All funds raised will support education in Namibia through the Side-by-Side Early Intervention Center and the Learn on One Foundation. To secure your team entry or explore sponsorship opportunities, visit futuremedia.com.na or contact us at golf at futuremedia.com.na. The Future Media and Sunlam Hit for Hope Charity Golf Day. Teeing off for education. Where some see a challenge, others see an opportunity. The Market Watch. We take a deeper dive to help you see them both. Welcome to the Business Report and our Market Watch show. My name is Michelle and in this section we bring you economic and market news, anything that speaks to the well-being of the Namibian economy, whether it pertains to local, regional or international trends and events. I've lined up many economists for this year and every Tuesday evening I will speak to a different person obtaining various views and takes or not on the events that shapes our economy. So today I'm speaking to Robert McGregor from Cirrus and we'll be touching on growth trends, especially the impact of the water situation as well as some insights into the Namibian fiscal space. Welcome to our show, Robert. Thanks for agreeing to my tall order. Thanks for having me once again. So last week I spoke to Rusa on growth trends. Let me kick off with a question on the water situation, especially in the capital Vintuk with the Von Bach Dam at currently or the latest bulletin says 12.8% and expecting this to have um, not only an impact on households, but also industry and especially manufacturing. So when last was the Von Bach Dam this low and can we expect the Swakopur Dam to assist in any way? Because I know the, the bulletin actually refers to a central aggregate, but I understand there are also issues of accessing the Swakopur Dam uh, water. And then how does all of this water sort of problems and outlook affect your forecast on growth for, for, for 2024? Yes, I mean, maybe just very briefly, uh, broadly on growth, we're optimistic um, and we have been for a while now, uh, the last sort of 18 months to two years. And I'm glad to see it. It looks like more of the market is starting to to become a bit more optimistic. So I'm happy to see that we're not such an outlier anymore. Um, but water is definitely a major concern for us and it has been for a while. Um, if we look at the aggregated central dam levels, I mean, the last time we were in this sort of territory was um, early 2019 when we were saved by uh, sort of some late rains in February that really flowed into the dams nicely and, and solved that problem. And then before that, the sort of 2016-17 era when, you know, we had sort of the talks of day, our own day zero. If we look at Von Bach specifically, so the last time we were at, at levels as low was at sort of December 2016, January 2017 period. 
um, where we even hit sort of low single digits, you know, minimum abstraction capacity within Fonbar. High, high single digits. Yeah. 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 And, um, and that was really a, a big uh, concern for mm. us then. Um, so, I mean, it's been a while since we've been there. The big worry for us is what have we done since then? Mm. Right. I mean, we've sort of been recharging the aquifers the last couple of years when there has been rain. But beyond that, we've done very little, um, both from a, a local and a national government perspective, to actually combat this. We know it's going to come again. Namibia is a water-stressed, uh, semi-arid country, um, Vintuk especially. Um, these problems are going to occur again and again. And we've done little on water capacity and water infrastructure to really address that. The plans were there, though. I mean, they spoke about the plans. Yeah, well, not, nothing, nothing concrete has been done. Um, so, von Bach is obviously where Vintuk relies on its waterfall. Um, there is water in Swakopput. There are two challenges there. There are lots of talks around uh, issues of water quality with what's in Swakopput, uh, firstly, which is a concern. The other challenge is, is getting that water from Swakopput to von Bach, and that's when there have been uh, massive challenges, not just recently, but over the last couple of years. Um, and that's really the concern is, can we get enough of that water, irrespective of its quality, into Van Bach to ensure that that Vintuk doesn't run dry? And then obviously, City of Vintuk is also now starting to uh, make use of the aquifers um, to supplement a lot of the uh, NAM water mm. uh, capacity or lack thereof at the moment. So mm. that's really the thing. We'll, uh, sort of this year, we'll go into stricter water restrictions and we should be fine. But the challenge is if we don't get decent rainfall the next year or two, um, we sit with a much, much bigger problem. And then uh, through then, I mean, it doesn't impact most of our growth forecast too much. It's just on manufacturing specifically where we yeah. do still see some weakness. But I think a lot of the industry is relatively used to what we've had in the past. Demand is still relatively weak. If we see the rest of the economy kicking off, though, um, your beverage consumption and similar uh, construction picking up, then you're going to see bigger challenges on those industries. And that's sort of a worry for two to three years from now. So where is the growth going to come from? At the moment, largely um, from sort of the mining sector, agriculture and construction, we think will still remain weak for a bit longer. Logistics is absolutely booming. Mm. Uh, there's a lot happening in Volfus Bay, mm. mining uh, along uranium and similar oil and gas. There's a lot of activity, even indirect, that's coming through. We've got a civil service wage adjustment, which will see a bit more spending in the economy and maybe not a lot, but a little, uh, a little bit more than we've had in a long time, mm. um, which I think will help. And from the fiscal side, things are looking a bit better as well. Well, let's touch on that then. So how does that debt situation now look like and what have you seen in the last few auctions? So we've definitely seen that there's been an improvement in government's uh, finances to some extent. So we are still issuing debt, but the economy is growing much faster. That's good because it brings your debt to GDP down. It makes mm. things look a bit better. Your revenue is growing faster as well. So that's quite encouraging. Interest payments are still a challenge, um, but we've seen that government's become a lot, uh, a lot more of a price make in auctions recently than uh, especially of the past year or so than before where it was taking that what it could get because it was really short of cash and we've seen that of late where government is is a lot fussy about at what price it's, it's actually issuing its debt at and it's actually in some auctions told the market no thank you we won't issue there um, we'll rather under allocate in an auction um, because we are sticking to the prices we want and uh, as a taxpayer as an economist that's very encouraging for us Absolutely. it means that government's sitting in a much stronger bargaining position than mm. it has for a while. So it'll be interesting to see if this continues. And it means that our debt relative to South Africa's has actually become very, very similarly priced. So what's our latest debt to GDP? Uh, we're still sitting below 70%. And uh, so we're sitting around 67 odd percent. Uh, that's forecasted to go down a bit further. The trajectory has improved massively. We look in South Africa where they're looking at sort of debt to GDP ex exceeding 75%, going nearer to 80%. Uh, revenue is a, uh, or, or rather interest payments is a percent of revenue going to around 20%. Uh, 
percent in Namibia, we've had we've hit these high levels, not as high as South Africa, but we're also moving away from them. Remind me, just the sixty-seven percent. Does that now include your guarantees and your sort of off? No, strictly sheet? debt. Oh, strictly debt. Is yeah. it okay? Yeah. Okay. Your forecast, because I've seen there's been some positive news from NAMRA as well on collections. So that should obviously, obviously then also help the situation. Anything to expect from your side in the March budget? Um, I think what we're very encouraged by is the uh, the tax adjustments that are coming through, the personal income tax adjustments for the first time in 10 years, the increasing of the threshold that obviously needs to be pushed through Parliament very quickly, but very positive on that. I think that'll be very, very helpful, especially for your low-income households. Uh, the 1% corporate tax change is not going to be a massive change for, for businesses, but it's a good signal. It's a move away from more taxes like we've spoken about previously mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Uh, under previous administrations, so that's very encouraging for us. I do think, obviously, moving into an election year, the risks around drought and similar uh, means that we could see a risk of fiscal slippage. So we've been on a, a on a good uh, trajectory. Maybe um, you know it's been a bit mixed here yeah. and there. Um, but I think there is risk, obviously, that while revenue and similar are picking up, we're still running large deficits. There, there is a risk to try and spend more, especially given sort of what's happening this year. Yeah. And that might release, you know, we need to make sure we still see that discipline there to keep things under control. Let the rest of the economy grow. Let government uh, rather collect the revenues from a growing economy. Cannot agree more. And then, as you say, also the interest percentage or the interest payments as a percentage. Robert, thanks for talking for uh, to, to us. That's unfortunately all that we have time for. I mean, we can talk for ages, but thanks very much. And I'll see you again soon. Yeah, thanks. On the business report this evening, we have the absolute pleasure of speaking to Michelle McLean. Uh, we always grab her to get a bit of an update because she's always up to something so interesting. And to introduce her, she is the consultant for tourism and investment for NIPDB. She's also the brand ambassador chairperson and the international business developer for Altava and List. Michelle, always such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be back in Namibia. We haven't spoken to you since your Lifetime Achievement Award and your induction into the Hall of Fame by the International Association of Top Professionals. Can you just tell us about that award, that moment in Times Square with the billboard? Congratulations. How did you feel? Gosh, yes, it was. Um, it's just very overwhelming, firstly, to be in Times Square and to be honored at that level. Um, I was particularly excited because I shared the award um, with uh, Sven Tima, the executive chairman of Altarven List, and he was awarded for executive chairman, international executive chairman of the year. And then my husband also got the Lifetime Achievement Award, Gary Bailey. So we were all, we were two Namibians and one South African standing in the streets of New York. Which is, you know, as a model, when I started modeling and I was 13, 14, you know, one of the the, the things that one always thought of was, oh, my gosh, imagine if I can be on a billboard, you know, maybe modeling for Calvin Klein or, you know, something in Times Square. But to have an actual achievement award given to you um, based on work that you do or, you know, philanthropic endeavors really is amazing. I think it's so wonderful that you managed to keep Namibia on the radar, on the map and uh, bring us to global platforms like this since 1992, since your reign as Miss Universe uh, Namibia and then again here in this top professional award. So we really appreciate you and kudos to you for that award. Well done indeed. Michelle, now you're always up to something. And now um, on our radar, you've got the Namibian Ambassadors Program. Can you please share more about that? Yeah, well, during uh, my work with NIPDB, the um, Namibia Investment Promotions Development Board, um, my work with them is is really, you know, important um, um, in, in terms of bringing investors into the country and talking about tourism um, in general and, and bringing more visitors to Namibia. And um, 
The Brand Ambassadors Program is about identifying and highlighting inspirational individuals, whether they live within Namibia or whether they live outside of Namibia, like one of our Brave Warriors players, uh, Ryan. He mm-hmm. lives in England, but he yes. promotes Namibia. So the Brand Ambassadors Program is, is really about finding those young people, older people that want to promote Namibia in the best way possible and highlight Namibia. So, and, and I run that program and look after all these amazing inspirational Namibians. Well, I've certainly seen it um, on Facebook, the podcast, such inspirational stories I saw from James Newpe as well from Gondwana's um, executive director. So it's just wonderful that you are bringing these stories to that platform. And then, Michelle, you're in the country. Can you tell us, is there anything interesting that you're also doing in the country along with your husband, Gary Bailey? Yes, well, we I get to travel with him, so this is wonderful, and we get to do some safaris. I'll be visiting some of the properties of the Altavan List Group, Makuti and maybe Chobi Water Villas, you know, to be able to be able to sell, you know, these wonderful places overseas. So I've got to visit them personally, which is part of great part of my job. And um, I'll also be working with the Michelle McLean Children Trust. You know, um, we are now setting up the fund also in the United States, and so we are able to bring. Hopefully, lots more money from the United States into Namibia for many, many different projects and hopefully building more schools. Well, thank you so much for catching up with us here on the Business Report. And really want to say we want to appreciate you for all the work that you're doing globally for Namibia and always bringing it home. Have a wonderful stay. And we'll check in with you again because I'm sure we'll always keep updating us on the various projects that you're involved in. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Great to chat to you. That was The Business Report on Nova 1035. Listen to all these segments and previous episodes with our podcast service on nova.com.na. The Business Report is a future media news production with input from Michelle van Veek, Gary Strubel, Angie Skuls, David Bishop, and Raymond Seafelt. Comments and questions can be sent to tbr at nova.com.na.